Last week, I, I really felt like that there were some things, sometimes as I'm preaching, uh, Holy Spirit's talking to me while I'm talking to you, and, uh, and it seemed like there was a highlight on, a, on part of the, the message that had to, had to do with prophetic authority, that the church is designed by God to have prophetic authority. Now, I don't want you to wig out on that word prophetic, all right? Um, you, as a living epistle that Jesus has given a testimony to, are a prophetic witness that God is alive and he's Lord, that there's something more. When you look at me, you, you, don't just, you don't just see Ken Kramer. You see a person that Jesus has delivered. You see a person who is, has a testimony that God is. And even if you can't see God, God is working in me. And if we talk long enough, you're going to hear his voice in our conversation. Not because Ken Kramer is anybody. Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a Christian. Right, and so we we are a, a, a spokesperson for God. The, the Bible talks about we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, but we are also a prophetic people in that we speak on God's behalf. We, it's just that that word prophecy just means to speak forth uh, as inspired by God. Right? Anybody ever been inspired of the Lord? Raise your hand. That's right. Well, that that. That, in, in that, prophetic, that is a prophetic inspiration. That, that comes from heaven, right? So don't get wigged out about this whole idea about the prophetic. Um, but I really felt like that the, 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 the Father wanted to take us deeper in our understanding of what it means that we have prophetic authority in the world because that's, that's where we impact our world. And so we're going to talk a little bit further about that today as it relates to, as it relates to giving. Um, and so in your notes today, uh, you should have some paper notes around there. I want to mention to you uh, all of the notes that I'm reading from. I'm actually preaching from the Version app. Um, I've mentioned this before, one day we'll do a little tutorial on it, but um, learn to get around in that version app if you use it for your own personal devotions or Bible on your phone, whatever the case may be. But there's a little section down in the bottom corner when you open it up on the home screen that says more. It's got three little dots. Click on that, and then you can go to events. And when you pop up events, the location on your phone says, oh, you're at Lighthouse, and you can click on the Lighthouse VA link. You can also see what they're preaching up the road. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so you can cr- uh, uh, click on Lighthouse VA and you'll, you, that'll pop up these notes for today. Um, I want you to read with me together. Um, why don't you, let's stand. You've been sitting for a little while. Um, let's stand and we're going to read this word together. It's just a, just a half dozen, uh, uh, what was so funny? I missed it. Anyway. <laughs> Not because I'm mad, just because I wanted to laugh, okay? Um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. <clears throat> Clear your throat, get yourself. Your best, your best proclamation voice, the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Ready? Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, in the name of Jesus, may these words of Jesus align in our hearts, grow in our hearts, and cause us to exemplify what it means to be like our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Title of my message today is How to Be a Rainmaker. How to be a rainmaker. Say that out loud. How to be a rainmaker. One more time. How to be a rainmaker. You know, that, uh, that word in the, uh, in the finance world was in vogue a few years ago. Um, I would talk to people who were, uh, who were investors or fundraisers. Every 501c3 on the planet needs to raise mo- uh, money, nonprofits, foundations, whatever the case may be. And some people are better at raising funds than others. I, I serve on a couple of different boards, and every one of them are saying, okay, how do we, how do we navigate with the amount of money we have because, you know, uh, inflation is happening, costs are increasing, and we have a mission that we want to do more. And, and so there are certain people that just have the ability to connect with others who have money, and, and they get them to release the money. For, for the purposes of that 501c3. And so they're called a rainmaker. You have people that are just really, really good at that. Where does that idea come from? Well, the idea comes from, I believe, this, this passage right here in Scripture because God is the one who makes rain. He's the one who causes it to rain. Now, why is rain important? Rain is the source of every other thing. Right? You know, didn't you know that that salad doesn't come from the produce department at Walmart or Kroger? It had to be grown somewhere. Well, in order to grow it, it has to have water. And in traditional farming methods, that meant rain. That didn't just mean irrigation, right? And, and so, uh, so when we think about somebody who is a rainmaker, we're saying somebody that's all the way up here at, at the, the, the front end of the food chain that's causing every other process and system and everything else to come to be. And, and the person who does that the best is God. He's the one. He's the one that makes it happen, right? Um, So when we talk about prophetic authority in the world, we have to say, what does it mean to be like God? So here are a few ideas as it relates to prophetic authority. Um, We'll get into giving in just a minute. But um, if you're a person that believes in the kingdom of God, then you understand that love is more powerful than lust. And the Bible tells us that uh, as believers, lust ought not to be named among us, that we need to be people who love. Lust creates a black hole around self and says, whatever you have, I want it, and I want to consume it in and of myself, and I don't care about you. I only want what I want. That's what lust is, and our world is full of it whether it's lust for other things, whether it's sexual lust, whether it's, it's, it's all-consuming. It creates a black hole around self and pulls everything into it. But love says, I'm going to do everything I can to look after you, that I'm going to provide for you, that I'm going to take care of you, that I'm going to look after your needs, that your needs are above my needs. And, and so love is a virtue of the kingdom. God is love, Right? Uh, uh, believers need to love one another. So love puts prophetic authority into the world to say there's a better way to do it than lust. There's a higher way. 
And so we understand prophetic authority that way. Giving, not lending. Incidentally, uh, here in this passage, Jesus is talking to Jews, and Jews live under the law. And the law would say that there is a thing called the year of Jubilee. Right? Anybody know what the year of Jubilee? And, and what happens with debts in, in the year of Jubilee? They're canceled, right? And, and so when Jesus is describing in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says these words, he says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He's talking to people that understand that God says at a certain time, all debts are canceled. He's talking to people who would say, you know, on this date, it doesn't matter what anybody owes. You might have gotten his land in a deal, but that land goes back to him on this date. You might have, he might have just borrowed money from you last month, but no longer because you're not in the six years of debt repayment. The seventh year is that, you know, that year of Jubilee. Uh, it's, it's the seven sevens, right? And so in that year of Jubilee, that 50th year, everything is paid. Everything goes back to where it came from. All, all accounts go back to zero. So imagine if you're the, the person who has money and people come to you on the, you know, on the 47th month or the 47th year and, and you're down to that last month and, you, and they come and they say, you know what, I've got more month than money and they want to borrow money from you and you, you, you begin to calculate interest. You're saying, uh-oh. They're going to borrow money from me, and they won't have time to pay it back. Right? I'm going to lose all that interest that I would have made, and I'm going to lose my principal. See, Jesus is saying that. He's saying, when should you give? When you feel like it? No. When they ask for it. When they ask for it. When the need presents itself, you step up, and take from your own and give to them. He said, if they, they come and they ask for a loan, he said, don't act like you didn't hear it. Oh, here they come. Oh, I know. I know what this is about. Doesn't I, I, you know what I'm talking about. You know, uh, oh, every time I see them, it's a... Uh, another need. And, and so here's what happens. Jesus is saying, if you want to be like your father, you can't turn away from that person. If you want to be like God, you can't sit there and judge them and say, doggone it, why don't they learn how to handle money? There's a higher way, right? And so prophetic authority, here's what Jesus is saying. It's about giving and not lending. Serving joyfully, not working begrudgingly. You know, well, I don't want this job, I want that job. You know, it's not about your part. Uh, you know, it's, it's better to be a small part of a big thing than a big part of a small thing. And it's really not about our part. And can I just tell you this from, from personal experience? The more humble you're beginning, the higher Jesus will elevate you and the faster you'll get there. But if you got to be up here on the stage in order for, in, in order for uh, you to find your place, that's probably, you're, you're probably looking in the wrong spot. You know, you, you need to work behind the scenes. You need to work. You need to find that low place and serve the Lord joyfully there, and then he'll promote you. Letting go of our rights, not demanding them. Oh, this is so unpopular among Americans. Jesus went to the cross and didn't demand his rights. Jesus gave up his rights. He, he went 
He went to the cross. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to be willing to give it all up to follow him. Well, that's unpopular. But Jesus was unpopular. And God gave him a name that's above every other name. You want to make a name for yourself? Serve others. And keep serving them. And even when they notice. And even when they don't. If people don't know your name, but they were blessed, that's a good sign. Because it was all about them getting blessed and not about making you a name, right? So, man, I'm just, I gotta get through my introduction so I can preach. Um, Forgiving instead of holding a grudge, right? Jesus was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, he came to his own and his own didn't receive him, right? The reality of, of being like Jesus means to do the unpopular thing, not because it's unpopular, but because it's right. Because your heavenly father said, this is the way the kingdom works. This is the way life works. Do it my way and you'll be strong. Do it my way. And, and you'll never have to, you'll, you'll realize that your life will always align with me. It's according to your faith that it's going to be done unto you. It's not what this world does. Jesus said, I have authority to lay my life down and authority to take it up again. He said, I receive this word from my Father. If you, you are never living under the circumstances. You are never living based on whatever people can do for you. No, you, you, God, God doesn't do it that way. He said, behold, I had come quickly and my reward is with me in my hand. He didn't pass it along to somebody else to reward you. He will reward you if you do it his way. The problem is we get our eyes on people and think our reward comes from them. We serve them thinking that from them we will receive benefit. Eh. Wrong answer. You serve as unto the Lord, and then he gives you the reward. Isn't that great? So I'm never disappointed. Because if they don't know, if they didn't see, if they don't understand, then my reward comes directly from my father. Right? Here it is, right? Forgiving instead of holding a grudge. Sacrificing for others instead of letting them serve you. Serve self. Now, notice here that there are things that that happen. I'm gonna go quickly through this so I can get uh, where we wanna be. Giving should happen when someone asks, not when you feel like it. Notice that giving and loving go together. Uh, Somebody much smarter than me says you can... can, uh, you can uh, give without loving, but you can't really love without giving. That in order for, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so if your heart is even for people that don't know you, if your heart is, see, it's easy. This is what Jesus is comparing and contrasting. He's saying the tax collectors will do for people who can do for them. The pagans will do for the people who can do for them. What are you doing above what the tax collectors do and what the pagans do? Prophetic authority says that if you're going to be like the Father, that he causes his reign to bless the righteous, but also the unrighteous. I don't know why it is that we get so excited about God looking after the righteous, but we don't get excited about God looking after the unrighteous. We love the stories about the earthquakes and the church still standing. Devastates everything in its, uh, around it, but the church is still, well, there you go. We got, yeah. 
But Jesus said the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That God keeps our enemies alive so that we can continue to love them so that they'll know him. This idea of rain, I, I just, you know, this is the proof of how God generously cares for the world that we live in. Not because it's perfect, but because God is love. Because God just cares. Just because God. Just because God. Why are you doing this? Just because God. Just because God loves, God cares. He puts us in an atmosphere. We didn't earn this atmosphere. We didn't earn the breath in our lungs. We didn't earn the, the, you know, the, the sun rises and the sun sets. We didn't earn any of that. But he gives it to us richly so that we can enjoy it. And if we earned it, then we'd want to, I don't know, somehow feel entitled for it. But if all things are gift, then the only response, proper response is thank you. Thank you. I don't have anything else I can add to that. Thank you. And oh, by the way, how can I join you in helping other people experience what I experience right now? How can I join you? How can I participate with the one who causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike so that they might re receive the kindness that leads them to the same repentance that I got? That I have access to the king, right? You and I have access to him. People had sunrises and sunsets and never knew that it was a heavenly father that created them. They just thought it's always the way it always was. Right? So you and I have to think about God's reign causes everything on earth to be replenished. Without it, everything dies. With it, everything lives. And God is on the side of life. He's the ultimate life giver. Let's read about rain for a second, just because, just because. Proverbs 16, 15. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in spring. Acts 14, 17. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Amos 4, 7 uh, is the converse of it. God says, I also will withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. God is saying, hey, just so you know, that didn't just happen. I'm the rainmaker. I'm the rainmaker. You need to understand. I am the rainmaker. Isaiah 45, 8. You heavens above rain down righteousness. Let the, let the cloud shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 55, 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, right? That proceeds out from my mouth. I didn't do all of that in there, but it's there. That's the passage. So is my word that comes out. He said it. my word always accomplishes what I send it forth to do. Jeremiah 3, 3. Therefore the showers have been withheld and no spring rains have fallen, yet you have the brazen look of a prostitute. You refuse to blush with shame. In other words, God's saying, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm withholding the rain 
so that you'll come to me as my children. But instead, you look like a prostitute because you think that you can earn whatever you get and not come to me and receive from me. Jeremiah 5.24, they do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God who gives autumn and spring rains in season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. Jeremiah 14.22, do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, O Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you, for you are the one who does all this. Friends, we've been overly impressed with what man can do. We've been overly impressed with our technology. We've been overly impressed with our inventions and our breakthroughs and our stuff. But at the end of the day, or I should say, at the, at the root and beginning of it all, is a God who makes it rain and causes life to flow because God is a life giver. And he's indiscriminate in how he brings it about. The, the same rain call, falls on the just and the unjust alike. Those same inventions that, uh, that, that the technology, the medical breakthroughs that benefit the righteous also benefit the unrighteous. This is just the way God is. It's just the way he loves. It's just the way he is. And he invites us to be like him. I want you to be, Jesus said, perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. Which means that you can't limit yourself in who you love and that when people curse you, you don't turn around and curse them back. You bless them. And when they persecute you, you realize it's really not about you in the first place. That they got a problem. And you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. It's not about you. Never was. Right? They, there's stuff going on in their life, and, they, and so they, they persecute you, and instead, what do you have to do? You have to turn around. What is that? That's called prophetic authority. Prophetic authority. And Jesus operated at every level to bring prophetic authority. I, I didn't share this with the 8 o'clock, but I'm going to share it with you. You know, a, a few weeks ago, I was reflecting on the statement that Jesus made when he's on the cross, and he has... He is spanning the, the gap between heaven and earth. He has just created the bridge for heaven and earth to come together as he's on the cross in pain, suffering, you know, hands and feet both have been pierced. He's on the cross, not, not thinking, not talking about his pain, not talking about everything that he has, saying, Father, forgive him. But another thing he does is that Jesus backfills his position as a son. When he looks down and he sees his mother who's about to, be, who, who's about to bury her son, and she's gonna be left without a son who will look after her. And so he looks out there and he says to John, I mean, this big crowd a week ago, but where's that crowd now? At the foot of the cross, just a handful of people. Oh, Jesus, I'll follow you forever, or at least for the next 24 hours. And here they are, Mary and John, and they're looking up at him, and he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He backfills his human role while he takes up his divine son of God role. Whew. Friends, we got, 
we got big shoes to fill. Look at this. Look what Jesus has done. He never leaves anything undone. When he said it is finished, he meant it's finished. I've closed all the loops. I've filled all the gaps. I've put everything in its proper order. And then he tells us in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to be like your father, the one who causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike, then you're going to have to give. You're going to have to give to people who like you and people who don't like you. People who are like you and people who are unlike you. People who look like you and people who don't look like you. Who may never know your name. Who may never build a monument to you. Because that's the way the Heavenly Father is. Right? You want to be sons of your Father? This is how the Father works. Right? Um, I want to mention to you a, a couple of things as, you know, as it relates to, to finances. You know, I have my, my entire married life has been sent, spent in the sanctuary. It's been my church. It's been my home. It's where I learned to preach. It's where I learned to work things out in my marriage with my wife. It's it's where, where we learn to navigate our finances and raise our kids and all of those, all of the stuff, all of the stuff. One location, one spot, this is it. And in two different times in my married life, Holly and I have been completely debt-free. Those are beautiful seasons. The last time that it happened, we were, uh, we, there was a group of us praying in here on a Saturday, no, it was, I think it was a Sunday morning pre-service prayer. And I'm looking at Billy Wayne and his dad was sitting right there when it happened. And some of you were here and you would remember this. But I was down here praying and, uh, and, and Billy was over here. And as we're praying, I, I saw that I, I, I had just a brief, the briefest little picture, okay, that I saw the people of God sitting in this room who were saying, they were raising their hand to Jesus and they were saying, Lord, I'll go and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Jesus, I'll do it. And, they, and the hearts were all there. But at the same time, I saw this big ugly thing called mammon that had their arm in a bar behind them like this. And I saw their hand was reaching up to God, but their arm was in a bar, and they were unable to go and do what it was that God wanted them to do. And Holy Spirit just gave me the download that quickly. I'm standing next to Billy, and, and we're both weeping, and, and, and I'm like, that, that's the problem. You can't serve both God and money. And, and people want to serve God, but at the same time, they're bound to this earth. They're bound to these earthly decisions that they've made to sign on the dotted line. And to be a righteous believer, you got to pay your debts. But at the same time, we have, we have connected in this world and we were serving money. And 
we're not free. And as soon as I got that vision, Holy Spirit is just ministering to me that I got to help the people of God get out of debt. Because like like you and like me, many of us didn't grow up learning how to handle money. Anybody here ever made a financial mistake? Oh, anybody here over 12 years old? Oh, yeah. But you know, you don't have to live under condemnation, right? You can, you can walk out. You can walk out in freedom. You can walk out of that. And so, so what, what proceeded to happen after that, and this, this uh, predicated my, the, first, uh, the second time that Holly and I were debt-free, is that we, went, we, we took the whole church on a Dave Ramsey you know, training, and 150 families took uh, that Dave Ramsey training, and in 13 weeks, $165,000 worth of debt was paid off from this crowd, right? And, and God showed us some things that we didn't have to serve money, that we could serve God, but we had to be trained. We had to be taught. We had to start to operate in those things. And so, um, and, and so that predicated Holly and I selling our house and paying off all of our debt and having a modest sum that was left, but we were debt-free. And we, we rented for about uh, six months. I said six weeks in the first service, but I think it was six months. We ran for about six months, and then we bought the house that we're in now. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give somebody a word of wisdom right, right now. Sometimes you make money when you buy, not when you sell. If you buy something right, then when it comes time to sell, you'll do well, right? And so we are, have always been about sweat equity. We've always been about do what you got to do, you know, and, and it doesn't have to, we don't, you know, uh, one preacher said it a long time ago. He said, only, only Gentiles pay retail. We are of Abraham's seed. <laughs> and so, so I, you know, you, you, learn to buy the, you learn to buy the stuff on the closeouts and you learn to make stuff work and you learn to be frugal and you learn to do what you need to do because there's favor in that. There's favor in managing what you have and the Lord giving you the wisdom on how to manage what you have, right? And, and so we're coming up on Holly and I, and I shared this uh, with you the other week, but, uh, but as a testimony, not, not like look at Pastor Ken, but look at Look at what happens when you follow the word of the Lord. And, and, you know, I can't point to anybody else's testimony. I can only tell my own. And, and so I can say that we're coming up on the third time in our 33 years of marriage that we will, have, that we will be debt-free, totally mortgage paid off and everything. Now, uh, you know, the next thing that we build or do is, you know, we'll, it'll be the pay-as-you-go plan. Why? Because Holy Spirit says the next 10 years, maximum cash flow and maximum discretionary time because he's, he's moving us into uh, more ministry, not less ministry, are you, are you tracking with me? Oh, Pastor Ken's setting up his retirement. No, I'm not. I'm about to catch another gear, baby. We're about to go into, we're going to hit another level. We're going to do stuff we've never done. I've been believing God for this moment for a very long time. Don't rain on my parade. Although rain is a good thing in this. So rain on my parade. Go ahead. Send some rain, Lord. So, so the debt side of it, why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs, the borrower is slave to the lender, and God wants you free. God wants you free. God wants you free. I want everybody to hear it. God wants you debt free. It is the will of God for you to be free. Why? Because is God anti-debt? 
He's anti-anxiety. He's anti-depression. He's anti-working too many hours to spend time with your family. He's anti-divorce. He's anti-all the stuff that debt slavery brings you into. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a heart issue. I'm talking about the, the practice of your life. God's not, he, does, does he want you to have a new car? It's not that conversation. You can have every bit of life that you can afford. And God's not looking down on one because they drive this or they drive another thing. God wants you to walk in fullness of joy. And oh, by the way, you're not the only end user of the gospel. This morning while we were singing, you know, your cross for my freedom, your stripes for my healing. I, instead of my, I kept hearing their, your stripes for their freedom. I mean, your, your cross for their freedom, your, your stripes for their healing. I kept thinking about people that I've met in other countries that don't know the name of Jesus. They didn't, buy, they didn't pass by five churches in order to settle at the one that they were gonna be at. They didn't have radio station and Christian television and all these other ways that they could hear about Jesus. There are people that don't know that will never know, that will never know. They'll never hear his name. They could live and die, five generations, 10 generations, live and die and never hear the name of Jesus. And yet the same cross was for their freedom and the same stripes were for their healing. So Holly and I have been blessed to be able to walk with some really amazing leaders. And uh, just a quick story um, from our meetings with them. So we, we are, uh, there's about 25 of us that will convene. We do about once uh, every other month, once a quarter down in Georgia at Griffin Assembly. And, uh, and one of the leaders there, his name is John Bates. He's an Assembly of God pastor, but he's also an international evangelist. And, uh, and the Lord has lined him up to take the, the role that, that Marilyn Hickey has uh, held for all of these years. Marilyn Hickey just stopped traveling at 91 years old. If you don't know the name, just Google her. Uh, she was taught to pray for the sick by Oral Roberts, and God has busted nations open through her ministry. She has a particular uh, anointing and open door in Pakistan. And so she does large open air meetings. And so John was telling us a testimony. And he was sitting on the platform with her. And she leans over to him. I just love this. She just leans over to him. She says, John, who do you think paid for all the food for this? You're spending a week, 100,000 people. Some of y'all are good at calculating. A week for 100,000 people in Pakistan. Who do you think paid for these parade grounds? Who do you think paid for the security and the lodging? You see those mats that they're sitting on? Who paid for that? Who paid for that? Well, Marilyn, I, I'm not sure quite what the answer is. I, I don't really know. She said, I did. She said, now, I've got partners. She said, but I directed this ministry to get where it is today, and I did. And if you're going to follow me, John, you're going to have to pay for all this. Woo! I said, John, the 
pulled him aside afterwards, you know, because I'm a strategic thinker, right? So, oh, man, it's so cool. I mean, I, John, what do you need to raise? 165000 a month. But look at this wide open door and look at these hundreds of thousands of people and look at the, the, the dead are raised. Look, the sick are healed. The blind eyes are open. The ears are unstopped. And all we have to do is pay our way to get there because God will do the stuff. You got no worries about will God come through and do his stuff. He will do his stuff. He's looking for somebody to be who like the, like the disciples when they looked out at that crowd who were all hungry and some of them are falling faint because they're, they're hungry and they've been with him. And he says, you give them something to eat. You know what I want to be? When I look in the Bible, um, if you could pick any character or any role in the scripture, what would, which one would you want to be? Which one would you want to do? I thought about this. Because I don't like to celebrate the stuff everybody else celebrates. I don't know why. It's just the weirdest thing. I notice things differently. But I think about the wedding at Cana. And I think about those servants that took those stone water jars that were for foot washing Think about it. Foot washing jars. People with sandals and bare feet. Horses and donkeys walking in the street. What'd you step in before you came in here? Right? Ceremonial washing jars for the water. And they're running out of wine. And Jesus says, hey, you know, Mary prompts him. He doesn't want to do it. Listen to your mama, boy. Says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. They go take the water jars, washing people's feet, put water in it. Now he says, now take, take your dipper and dip it in and take it to the master of ceremonies. Is this funny or what? I mean, you know there was a particulate in that, uh, in the, in the, that water, right? So, so the water jars are all sitting there. The master of ceremonies is having a good time. He's already drank a bunch of wine. And, and so here comes this servant, right, that, that, that takes the foot-washing water in a, in a little ladle and takes it to the guy. Now, I don't, where does the miracle happen? You, you tell me. I don't know. We're filling in the blank here, right? But sometime between the water that was filled up in the jars and the little guy taking his ladle over there to the master of ceremonies, God does a miracle. And the nasty foot water becomes the best wine the man has ever tasted. And he didn't know. And the guests didn't know. But the servants, they're in the back room. And first they're busting a gut. Oh my gosh. He's, he's taking foot water to the master of ceremonies. <laughs> what is this going to, what's going to happen? I know that guy's going to Ralph right there. Like he's just going to, you know. But they're watching, right? And, and, they, and, and so he picks up the ladle and he drinks it. Oh, it's the best thing ever. 
He probably gets excited, runs around to all the wine aficionados, you know, the, the, the snooty wine tasters, and hands it all to them. And all the guys in the back peeking out there going, ah, there's another one. They're drinking foot water. There's another one. There's another one. I'm too excited about this, and y'all ain't having enough fun. <laughs> Servants see miracles from the back room. We see the stuff Jesus does that nobody else sees. Out there, they see the multiplied bread. But in the kitchen, it, and well, they just eat the bread, but in the kitchen, they say, we ain't got enough. We ain't got enough. What are you gonna do? Well, let's pray. Let's pray. And they put it out there and they begin to distribute it and distribute it and distribute it and the guys in back know what we started with. We know what we started with. They don't know it, but we know it. We get to see the thing that God does, the thing that God does, right, for the people that he cares about. I got way off my message. <laughs> but I'm having a good time. See, God cares, and he's looking for people who will care alongside of him, irrespective of who it's for, right? Irrespective of who it's for. God has put me with people that impact nations for years. For years, I've been walking with people. And, and so, so when I talk to pastors and they're talking about, you know, pardon, pardon the crass phraseology, butts and budgets, I just don't even care. I just don't care. But when I hear about the orphans in Cambodia, who some missionary is supposed to be raising money for them to eat, and he's throwing a nice party, but when a leader walks in the back and he, he investigates all the closets and he can't find a bag of rice anywhere, and he knows that it takes a lot of rice to feed these orphans. And he's sick to his stomach. He said, you know, the food sticks in the back of my throat, and I'm saying, why am I eating this and I can't find anything for the kids? And then he goes and addresses the missionary, and he and he says, you, you are either going to pull out of this thing right now or I'm going to go to your denomination. I'm going to tell them what you're doing. Because he's raising the money for the kids, but the money's not making it to the kids. Right? And then he says, he steps into that role, and he says to the guy who's running the place, from now on, the first $1,000 that comes into my account goes directly to this orphanage to pay for rice for these kids. This is what we're going to do. And then he goes on and he tells the story. And because of that little, seemingly little sacrifice, this is a big sacrifice, but because of that, Cambodia opens up. Cambodia opens up. Public schools are welcoming the gospel because somebody said, I'll go pay $1,000 a month for rice for the kids. And I'll walk and pray. And God's going to do a work here. Behind the scenes. Oh, I love it. I just love it. I just love it. I, I love how God takes the little things, the little things, the little things. Um, let me blast through my last 
for those of you that are trying to fill in your blanks right now. <laughs> you know, here, here at Lighthouse, we teach about tithing. You're going to see these baskets in the future. We teach about tithing because the tithe belongs to the Lord. That, that first 10%, Randy did a, a really good job at offering time talking about the, the tithe. The, the tithe is that first 10%. It belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so we, we pay it to the Lord. Now, uh, I know that in this room, we have many, many people who have strong convictions about tithing and, and a strong behavior uh, related to tithing, and you've been tithing for a very long time. I've been tithing for since I was 17 years old. I've been talking about tithing since I was 17 years old, and I'm 55. And about 44% of, of the crowd here at Lighthouse agrees with that and have their own personal testimony. Like if you went around the room and, and I, we talked about God providing, and you would, you would be quick to say, God provided for my life. God has blessed me. Now, at one level, as a pastor who understands the, the stats in churches, I'm rejoicing because we're at 44% of the people tithe. I'm rejoicing at that because if you know the national average, it's below 26%. So we praise God for that. Amen? We praise God for that. On the other side, and this is my pastoral heart coming through, I'm not happy until every one of you have a tithing testimony because this is your house, not Lighthouse being your house. I'm talking about God wants to bless your house and I want you to have a testimony that God is my provider. And, and, there, and I know how hard it is to get past that first 10%. I know how hard it is. I know, I get it. And it, you know, can I tell you that the more you get and the more you give, that sooner or later, uh, one settled thought will come in your mind and you'll say, oh my goodness, I gave that? And in that moment of time, you're gonna have a temptation to back off on it. Baby, keep the pedal to the metal. Because when you stand before Jesus, you will have not one iota of regret for any dollar that you ever pulled out of this world and put in God's hand. You will have no regrets. But that means 56%, 56% haven't got a conviction about tithing yet, okay? And, and so I'm not so concerned about the idea of 56% because let me tell you, whatever comes in the tithe, that's what we're gonna learn to live on. That's what we're gonna learn to live on. We're gonna, we're gonna do what we have to do to make ends meet based on whatever comes in. So we thank God when we can, you know, when that's easier, but sometimes it's harder, Right? So in, in uh, your notes there, um, we have 149 people that are doing over 5,000. That's 745,000 per year. If 200 gave, we'd have a million. If 300 gave, we'd have 1.5 million. We're basing that on about 314 people that are consistently a part of Lighthouse now, right now, since COVID. We're almost at 500 pre-COVID, and then, and then since COVID, that's about where we're at. So here's the thing I want, want you to hear. Tithe first, give second. Tithe first, give second. In the tithe here at Lighthouse, these are the things that we do. Now, this is a, this is, you know, this doesn't look like our chart of accounts because if you saw our chart of accounts, it will boggle your mind. There's a lot of stuff that's in that. But ultimately, from the tithe, there's your salaries, there's your kids' ministry, there's your youth ministry. We keep the lights on. We do all the stuff based on the tithe, the stuff. So, so that's 
what goes into that. So when you tithe, we're able to do the stuff. We're able to look after the ministries of this house. We're a storehouse, right? Benevolence is, has uh, heretofore been part of that. You see the benevolence tract every week. So we had about, uh, at the beginning of the year, we had about 10,000. We've, we've gone through most of that down in, at the end of the year. And, you know, to, to be fair, um, we've had some big needs that I didn't run through the benevolence account, that I went to individuals and I said, hey, we need to do some things uh, that, and we don't have the money for it, would you do over and above? And I've done it numerous times throughout the years, and there, and there have been things that we were able to do for people that don't show up on paper. Why? Because there are three different kinds of rules that govern giving in the New Testament that I'm aware of. The, the first one has to do with the tithe, that first portion that belongs to God. And, and you and I don't tamper with that. God sets the amount on it. The second one is offerings, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But the third one has to do with almsgiving. And almsgiving is such that Jesus says, uh, and, and it's prefaced like this, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And what is that about? That your giving may be done in secret. Why? Because we don't want to draw attention to the fact that somebody is short, that somebody doesn't have what they need. And, and so we do it uh, secretly, quietly, so that we're not drawing attention. Does that make sense? You know, and, and so then when you think about the tithe, that's a set amount. But then Jesus talks about you know, giving, and he talks about good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the, in the measurement side of things, Jesus is saying, this is where you and I participate and you watch me expand through your life and do things through your life that you couldn't have done just on your regular budget. And he gives you the choice on what you want to do. You can either ask God to bless that little thimbleful that you want to pour into his, you know, into whatever he wants to do, or you can say, I got a truckload and I want to pour that into the gospel. So heretofore, and I'm, I'm telling you this in advance because uh, moving into 2023, we are, we are uh, changing up how we, how we describe what we do giving-wise. So the tithe will always do what the tithe does. The tithe will always take care of this house. But from here on out, every offering that comes in will go through what we're calling kingdom builders. Imagine a mutual fund, right? A mutual fund is one fund that has a lot of different things in it. Right, And so uh, for kingdom builders, that's where we take care of our missionaries. We have about 36 missionaries that we give to. They, they all have projects. They all have work budgets. They all have things that they need to do. Uh, but this is our monthly support of missionaries, boots on the ground missionaries that, takes care, that we take care of. Then we've got benevolence, right? So benevolence needs, as we give to kingdom builders, we know the benevolence needs are gonna increase. We don't wanna take that out of the church tithe and budget because it'll be somewhat limited. But if you wanna do something for kingdom builders for benevolence, then each of these will have a percentage associated with it. And the more we have in kingdom builders, the more we can do through benevolence. The more we have in kingdom builders, the more we can do for our missionaries. The more we have in kingdom builders, the more we can do for, we've got capital improvements down here. We have things that we're going to be doing here on the property, but we'll give all of that through kingdom builders and it won't have to come out of the church budget. You tracking with me? 
You understand what, what I'm talking about here? And the, and the last one here, local projects. You know, when we think about uh, the great ministries that are happening around us here at Lighthouse, um, you know, we can't do what we do alone. We can't look after Gloucester County alone. We're partners with many. And, and so we're going uh, to be through Kingdom Builders. We'll do local projects. We'll do different things like that. So this is just to give you some clarity so that you understand how we think about the finances that you give. And so moving forward, um, this is how in 2023 we're realigning the budget right now around these kind of things. My finance team is working diligently on that. And uh, thank God for them because, <laughs> let me tell you a true story. I, 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 told, I told the executive leadership team and the finance team uh, what we were going to do, and I used two different numbers. I said, for instance, if um, 24% of the people were giving... That means 86% or not. Now, to my credit, I, gave, I sent that out at 5.30 in the morning because I was so inspired. But my, I can't do math. I'm just saying I can't do math. God will still bless you even if you can't do math. That's my testimony. But you don't want me handling the, the, the numbers. You want a finance team handling the numbers because they speak numbers, right? Okay, so that true story. So in a, a couple of weeks, on, on November the 27th, we're gonna have a miracle offering. Um, so I want you to begin to pray into that. We got time between now and then, but I wanted to pray into that miracle offering because that's gonna launch us for our kingdom builders going into the new year. So I wanted to, to uh, uh, just help you to get a, a clear understanding of, where, of wherever that is. Now, I, I, one of the things that would break my heart is that if somebody left here today and they said all Pastor Ken did was talk about money or you felt some kind of condemnation or some kind of compulsion as if Pastor Ken was the guy with your arm behind your back. We don't do that. But people need to be taught, right? So in the teaching, there is freedom, right? I, I've seen it done wrong, and I purposed in my heart not to do that. But what I'm contending for is a testimony from 100% of the people that call Lighthouse their home that God will make a way, and God knows my finances, and God has provided for my family. That's what I'm contending for. So for many of you, this is like you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you're walking in it, and I thank God for you. We can't do what we're doing without you. You're carrying everybody else. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, we can't do what we're doing without the faithfulness of the people of God who have a testimony. We do as what we do is unto the Lord, not because there's a need, but because we're faithful to do what he says, right? So please, when, when, when you let the Lord settle this in your heart, that, that we, you know, from the words of Jesus, we want to be like our Father who is in heaven. That, that when we give, we give because we're givers, God gives because he's a giver. He loves because he's a lover and, and not because anybody can do anything back. Are you tracking with me? So, Father, in the name of Jesus today, I thank you for our time spent in your presence. I thank you, Lord, for the, the sense 
of the love of Jesus that I felt in this room since this morning. Father, I pray for us that we would, we would uh, walk in love like never before and that we would walk in generosity like never before. Show us, Lord, how to cause the, the rain to fall in the lives of people that wouldn't ever have a witness outside of the fact that they're connected to us. Help us, Lord, to walk worthy of the calling that we've received as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we could be like our Father. Bless us as we go today. Bless the team as they, as they come together to talk about how we can be more effective at reaching people in Gloucester County, how we can make it hard to go to hell from Gloucester, how we can uh, be more efficient with the use of the funds that come into us for us to use, Lord, for your glory and your name's sake. Help us to be better, Lord, because we want to honor you with all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Um, Team Sunday is...